Hi family, welcome to the PIWC Accra podcast, where we are inspired, challenged and equipped to possess our spheres of influence with principles and values from the word of God, preached and taught powerfully by anointed and seasoned men and women of God. We believe strongly that this word will bless your life, so do not keep it to yourself, share it with someone you know needs to hear it. On today's episode of the podcast, we are certain that you'd be blessed even as you receive the ministration of God's word with open hearts. Now, family, let's get into the word of God. Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. You realize that in this version there is no me. It is an emphatic statement. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship or communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. You know, when you go through the book of Corinthians, when Paul starts in Corinthians 1, he tells us immediately that he's writing to a sanctified group of people. So when Paul starts Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 2, Paul says that I am writing to you because you are sanctified. So just as, as we are here, the letter to the Corinthians is the same letter to us. And Paul is saying that I'm writing this letter to you because you are sanctified. He says, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. So he's writing to a sanctified group of people. But then when you jump to 2 Corinthians and, and verse 13, which is the last, the last verse, the whole verse 13 itself begins with warnings and admonitions. In fact, in some Bibles, the, the caption at the top is final warnings. Final warnings. And it's, it's interesting to me how Paul could start the letter to the Corinthians from a place of, I know you are sanctified. And yet by the time he gets to 2 Corinthians 13, he starts to warn them. But thanks be to God that the warnings end with a benediction. Amen. And 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 14, as we've read, ends with what we've all come to understand as the benediction. I'm sure there is no Christian service that ever meets and disperses without the expression of what we now know as the grace. We say it so often. Let's share the grace and we jump into it. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. No Christian service is ever complete without us sharing the grace. Today, my prayer is that we will fully understand that in this very simple statement is encapsulated the totality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And sometimes, when we say things over and over, it becomes very normal and we tend to lose the importance of it. But when I take a look at this scripture, I see the trinity of the gospel. Today, by the grace of God, I hope that we'll get to the understanding that within the gospel is something more than God loves you. Within the gospel is also the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Within the, the gospel, more importantly, 
is the communion with the Holy Spirit. So I think of salvation as a three-course meal that should be taken in totality. You know, salvation to me is a three-course meal. We need to partake of this three-course meal. You know, and when I read this scripture, I find it interesting that Paul started from the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and went to the love of God and then ended with the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And I often ask myself, why did Paul write it like this? Because according to their manifestation, God was introduced to us first, and then Jesus came, and after Jesus came and left, we saw the Holy Spirit. But when I go through this, I realize that this is Paul's own experience. Remember, Paul, who was Saul, was on the way to Damascus to go and cause atrocities of atrocities upon believers. And on the way to Damascus, the Bible says a blinding light from heaven approached him, and a voice said, Paul, Paul, why do you persecute me? And Paul's response was, who are you, Lord? And the response he received was, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. So to Paul, who was going about doing evil, the first experience he had with the Trinity was with Jesus. And after that encounter, Jesus says to him, go to a place there is someone called Ananias. He will come and, and engage you. So, so Paul experiences the grace of God. And then by Ananias, he, he's taught the love of God. And he's baptized almost immediately. And he's ushered into fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So even Paul himself was a beneficiary of this trinity of the gospel. Amen. I want us to understand that the good news is more than God loves you. It's more than that. I want us to understand that the good news is more than the grace of Jesus is upon your life. It's more than that. I want us to understand that the good news also includes active participation in the Holy Spirit. And by the time we are done, I'm sure we would understand that it is not just the fact that we have received the Holy Spirit, we are also active partakers in the Trinity. When God says, meet and says, come, let us reason together, by virtue of the Holy Spirit upon our lives, we are active partakers in the Trinity. And I want us to move away from appreciating the gospel as just a gospel of love. The gospel, as I said, is a three-course meal. So instead of doing it the poor way, we will start from the dessert. If you are going to have a three-course meal, obviously, you need to start with the dessert, right? Usually I start with soup. <laughs> so we are starting with the dessert. And the dessert in the gospel, the dessert in the word that we are speaking today is the love of God. Amen? Let me spend a few minutes to explain the love of God to you. John 3.16 tells us that for God so loved the world that he, he did what? He gave what? So that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting. For God so loved the world. The Greek word used there is cosmos. For God so loved the cosmos. Remember, he didn't say that for God so loved man. He says, for God so loved the world. The world that God had created. He so loved it that he gave his only son, so that whosoever believes in him should not perish. The giving of the son wasn't even just for you and I. It was for the cosmos that God had created. Because when sin corrupted the earth, it didn't just corrupt this earth that we stand on. Sin corrupted the cosmos. Everything that God had created, sin corrupted it. And so the love of God, I've come to understand, is universal. Amen? Now, I want to attempt to explain to you how inexplicable the love of God is. If you take a look at this earth, this earth finds itself within the Milky Way galaxy. Now, within this Milky Way galaxy, which is just one galaxy, it's just one galaxy out of hundreds of billions of trillions of galaxies. To put it into context, 
There are more galaxies in the universe than grains of sand at the, at the beach. So in the grand scheme of things, technically, you shouldn't matter. Because I am sure if I ask you to locate yourself here, you cannot find yourself. But you matter because God loves you. You matter because when God saw that this universe he had created had become corrupted, he made a way for Jesus Christ to come and die for you. And so you matter. How is it that we find ourselves on Earth? Earth is a tiny piece of the Milky Way galaxy. The Milky Way galaxy is a tiny piece of the universe that God created. And yet, you matter. You matter. You matter to God. The Bible says that the Lamb of God was slain at the foundations of the earth. For you and I, the Lamb of God was slain at the foundations of the earth. So the love of God is universal. It is universal. God loves the sinner. God loves the saved. The love of God is universal. I hope you, you join me in spirit because we are going to go very deep into this thing. So I take hold of of your spirit, and we work together. Amen. The love of God is universal. So last week when I heard a gay priest say in a video that he is proud to be gay as a priest because the Bible says God loves him, I was saying to myself that, yes, he is right. The love of God is universal. God loves the sinner. God loves the saved. God even loves the universe which he created. The ones we see, the ones that we do not see. So God's love is, is there for all of us. And beloved, if the love of God is the first item on the meal, I want to suggest that once we have accepted that God loves us, we need to move on to have the main cause. Amen? And the main cause, I want to term the, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So we all understand that God loves us. And beyond the love of God, we also have grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? The first time we come across the word grace is in Luke 1 verse 30. When the angel appears to Mary and says... Grace be upon you. You have found grace before God. So Jesus himself was conceived in grace. If you jump to Luke 2 and then verse 40, we, we see how Jesus grew in grace. He was conceived in grace and then he grew in grace. The Bible says, as the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. So Jesus is, is full of grace. Jesus is full of grace. So if you come to accept Christ, if you come to know of God, you should understand that there is grace for you. Amen. And what is grace? We've often grown up with the mindset that grace is unmerited favor. Yeah, it is correct. But I also want to believe that grace is more than that. No, grace is more than just unmerited favor. I want to see grace as divine influence of God which is acting upon the heart of a man and causing an active change in the life and in the heart of the person. When the angel appeared to Mary and said, you have found favor, and if the angel was saying, there is a divine influence coming from God, which is going to act upon your life and it will produce a tangible result. So if you're a believer, there has to be tangible results. Amen? There has to be tangible results. The grace of Jesus is upon your life and grace produces results. I've also found something interesting about grace. That grace can coexist with our natural inadequacies. When Paul was praying in 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, he was asking God for a thorn in his flesh to be removed. The Bible says that God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. Amen? And so it tells me that grace can even coexist with our natural inadequacies, the scripture says, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. 
Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may be felt. Remember, when the disciples walked with Jesus, they were so one with him physically that it took a case of Judas to identify Jesus from the rest of the disciples. The keys was nothing but an identifier. Because if you saw Jesus and you saw Peter, you couldn't even tell the difference. Jesus had to be identified by a case because they had walked so much with the grace. They had received so much divine influence while Jesus was here on earth. You couldn't tell them apart. And so if you're a believer, believe you me, there has to be a tangible change in your life. And no wonder we sing some of those songs, the things I used to do, I do them no more. It is grace that enables you to be able to say that the things I used to do, I do them no more. If grace can coexist with our inadequacies, beloved, I also want to suggest that we should be careful not to engage too much in grace for sin to abound. Amen? Romans tells us, shall we continue to sin for grace to abound? The danger of living at the realm of grace is that grace is directly proportional to sin. And so, wherever there is sin, there is grace. And grace is good, don't get me wrong. But if you exist in the realm of grace consistently, it means that if you are not careful, sin will pluck you back. Because grace is inversely proportional to sin. I want to suggest to you that move on from grace. Amen? Move on from grace. Grace is divine influence. And sometimes when we come and we meet as a body of, of believers, what are some of the things we pray for? You know, sometimes we pray for, pray for a spouse, we pray for job, we pray for, for car, we pray, we pray for visa. They are good. But have you ever stopped to realize or think about the fact that there are unbelievers who also have these things? So if the grace of God upon your life is to give you a job, if the grace of God upon your life is to give you a spouse, if the grace upon your life is to give you a visa, what grace is upon the unbelievers who have these things? It tells us that, beloved, even grace, we need more than grace. Amen? Amen. Who is with me? We need more than grace. We need more than grace. We need more than grace. And this grace, which I call divine grace, means we're recognizing that the source of everything is Jesus. Beloved, the grace of this world will teach you that if you go to a good school, get a good degree, you get a good job. It is factual. There's evidence to suggest that. The grace of God upon your life will tell you that Isaac sowed within a time of famine and reaped a hundredfold. The grace that we believers have been called to is a grace that causes unnatural things to happen in our lives. Beyond the job, beyond the children, science can give you a child. God can give you divine influence and cause unnatural things to happen in your life. That is the grace that I want us to pray for. That grace will be manifest in your life. That the unnatural things, things that are naturally impossible, will become possible for you in Jesus' mighty name. Grace means that God is supplying all your needs according to his riches in glory through who? Christ Jesus, who is what? Full of grace. Full of grace. It is impossible for you to have grace upon your life and have need. Because scripture tells us that my God shall supply all my needs. Did he say some? My God shall supply some of my needs. My God shall supply a few of my needs. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. So we've understood that the love of God is the appetizer, is, is the starter. We've understood that grace is the main meal. Let's move on now to the dessert. That's my favorite part. I like my desserts. 
And the desire is fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Amen. The gospel of Jesus Christ is more than just God loves you, come and be saved. The gospel of Jesus Christ is more than the grace of Jesus is upon, upon your life. The gospel of Jesus Christ, most importantly, is we have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Amen. We have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Fellowship, as we see in the scripture, was translated from the Greek word koinonia. And koinonia means fellowship, rightfully so. It also means participation. Koinonia also means intercourse of a social nature. So when God says that you have received the Holy Spirit, it is not just something that you have received into your, your, yourself. It is an active participation in the Trinity. And that is also the gospel. Beloved, when we come to know Jesus Christ, when we come to know God, when we come to know the, the, the Holy Spirit, we should understand that we are active partakers in the Trinity. Not recipients. The same spirit that in Genesis we read, that the spirit, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth became null and void, and the spirit of God hovered over the surface of the deep. Even in the Old Testament, before man was formed, the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the deep, and that same earth where the spirit was hovering on was the earth that God took and formed man, and God breathed his breath into man, and man became a living soul. Even in the Old Testament, man was formed to have an active participation in the Trinity. In the New Testament, we even have it better off. I was having a conversation with some of uh, the younger teens last week, and I could tell one young man, fully excited, he said that he wishes he was living in the times of old because it seemed that in the olden time, God was speaking a lot. But these days, God doesn't speak. And I, I loved in my heart because it is not just me. A lot of people say the same thing. Oh, these days, God is not speaking. Who told you? God is speaking more than ever. And by the Holy Spirit, I said to this young man, look, we have a better deal than Abraham. When Abraham was, was 75 years, God appeared to him and told him, leave this land to a place I will show you. From the time God appeared to Abraham when he was 75 to the time Abraham had Isaac when he was 100, it's recorded in scripture, God spoke to Abraham seven times. On average, God was speaking to Abraham once every six years. You and I have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Yesterday, God, I don't know about you, but yesterday God spoke to me. Today, God is speaking to me. Tomorrow, God is speaking to me. I don't know about you, but God is still speaking. God is still speaking. And we have an active force called the Holy Spirit who is interceding on our behalf here on earth. There's a scripture in John. The only time John uses the phrase comforter. He says that, I write to you, young children, so that you do not sin. And that when you sin, you have a comforter who is Christ Jesus, who is in heaven, making intercession on our behalf. And yet the Holy Spirit is our comforter here on earth. And so right here on earth, you have a comforter called the Holy Spirit who is making intercession, not in heaven. Jesus is doing that for you. But here on earth, the Holy Spirit is making intercession for you. Amen. And the Holy Spirit is your direct conduit to God the Father, is your direct conduit to God the Son. What does Jesus say of the Holy Spirit? Jesus said of the Holy Spirit that it, it is good that I go. John 14, 16, and verse, verse 17. Jesus told his disciples that, look, it is, it is good that I go. When I go, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you when? Today, tomorrow, next week, one week, two weeks. I will send you another comforter, that he may abide with you Oh, I can't tell. That he may abide with you. That he may abide with you. Beloved, the Holy Spirit is abiding with you forever. The power of the gospel and this gospel that we preach goes beyond God loves you. The legacy of the gospel is the Holy Spirit 
that you have come to receive as a result of God loving you, as a result of receiving grace upon your life. You have the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We have active participation in the Holy Spirit. And it's the Spirit that leads us to all truth. The Bible says the Spirit leads us to all truth. All truth. All truth. All truth. This has said that. It is good for you that I go. It is good for you that I go. And that's one of the last things Jesus said. Remember on the cross, one of the last things he said was, woman, behold your son. But when he was resurrected, one of the last things he said was that, look, it is good that I go. It is good that I go. And that when I go, I will send you another comforter. The Greek calls it the allos parakletos. Another one just like me. And the, the beneficiary of this is that this other one, he is in us, he is with us forever. And I'm suggesting to you that Abraham did not have this. Moses did not have this. For 40 years in the wilderness, we are told that it was only one occasion, at least as far as I'm concerned, that God spoke to Moses in the burning bush. 40 years in Midian. But we have a better legacy than Moses. We have a better legacy than Isaac. Even though Isaac sowed in famine and reaped a hundredfold, we have a better legacy. The Holy Spirit is your competitive advantage as a believer. Hear me. God loves everyone. Whether you are a sinner, whether you are saved, God loves you. Jesus, who is full of grace, even grace is a transition between good and evil. On the cross, when Jesus is, is on the cross in the middle, there's evil here, there's good here. You can make that transition. So even Jesus himself stands in between good and evil. The Holy Spirit is your distinct competitive advantage as a believer. That is why no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. But of course, you can open your mouth and say Jesus is Lord. But the power in what you are saying can only come from the Spirit. Amen? I want us to understand that there is power available to us beyond grace, beyond love. We have active fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? We have active fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And that is where I want to. That is where I want to be. You have active fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Active fellowship. When Elohim says, come and let's resume together, I am there. By the operation of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the Bible tells us that whatever the king thought, God revealed it to a prophet. How much more in the New Testament? The spirit of prophecy is alive now more than ever. I get saddened when people chase prophecies. Prophecy should be the most commonest thing in this dispensation. Joel says that your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall do what? The spirit, the Holy Spirit is also the spirit of prophecy. If you have not heard from God, it does not mean God is not speaking. Amen? If you have not heard from God, it does not mean God is not speaking. And the next question is, why haven't you heard from God? Because we clearly see that it is your right as a believer to hear from God. And as we wrap up, like I said, my favorite part is, is the dessert. I want us to really, really understand and appreciate what we have at our disposal. I'll share a story with you. Some time ago, I realized my phone was on low charge. And I plugged it in to charge it, obviously. After a few minutes, I went back and I realized that the phone hadn't charged. And I was very upset. But within that state of mind, the Holy Spirit taught me a very vital lesson. And I want to share that with you as we conclude. A lot of Christians today, we are plugged in, but we are not turned on. 
And that is the danger of grace. If you have grace upon your life, it is very easy to be plugged in. But you are not turned on. May God forbid that like Samson, we would arise and shake ourselves. And only to find that the spirit of the Lord had left us. May God forbid. May God forbid. The Bible says Samson did not know. That the spirit had left. Meanwhile, he was full of grace. He could, he, he could do that. He could shake himself. And then, and then things happened. He was full of grace. But the Bible says that he arose to do the things that he would normally do. Only to discover that the spirit had left him. Are you a plugged in Christian who is also turned on? Because the danger is if you are not turned on, all too soon your battery will run out. Whether you like it or not. To us, you still come to church. To us, you still say praise the Lord. To us, you still lead opening prayer. To us, you still pray. But there's no power inside of it. And I say to my young ones all the time, it is great to have a nice atmosphere. It is great to ha have a nice branding. Branding is everything these days. If there's no power in it, forget it. It is an exercise in futility. After all, on, on the day, God will say, away from me, you workers of iniquity. Those workers of iniquity, they were in the church. What we have at our disposal, believers, is the power of God. Beyond just being plugged in, I want to suggest to you, let us be turned on. It is only when we are turned on that we have direct access to the power that comes from on high. It is only when we are turned on that we are unstoppable. But grace is good. See, but I also discovered that man can also give you grace. And today, 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 the president of this nation can call one of you and say, I've appointed you as a minister. Parliament will approve. <laughs> today. That, that, that is the grace upon him. Whether you like it or not, so grace is good. Don't get me wrong. But I want us to move into active fellowship with the Holy Spirit. No wonder when he told them to wait for the Spirit to come upon you. One of the very first things that they did was to go out. They couldn't, they couldn't hold it in. True fellowship with God reflects in, it, in, in fellowship with one another. And then the true essence of fellowship then as we see is love. And the more active fellowship we have with the Holy Spirit, the more love we experience in our lives, the more we become like God. No wonder the disciples immediately, they started selling their things. No one told them. They started selling their things. They, they, I mean, the love came naturally because they were in active fellowship with God the Father and God the Son. Yesterday, I was thinking, maybe I haven't found the answer. I was thinking, did the Holy Spirit directly heal sickness? Or I, I was thinking about it because as far as I'm concerned, all, all the healings, Jesus did it whilst he was here. If the Holy Spirit is, is better in the words of Jesus, then it means that there's something better than healing. There's something better than God will give you a job. In active fellowship with the Holy Spirit, all those needs are supplied. All those needs are supplied. We hope your heart has been quickened by hearing the word of God through this message. If you desire to accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, please say this prayer with us. Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. You came to die because of my sins. I therefore accept you as my Lord and personal Savior. I will serve you all the days of my life. So help me, God. Amen. If you just said this prayer, we welcome you to the family of God. Are you looking to find a place of worship where there is relevant teaching, heartfelt worship, passion and action toward the unsaved, constant prayer, compassionate care for the needy, and honest Christ-centered relationships? 
Then join us fellowship at the PIWC Dome at the Accra Technical Training Center, ATTC Kokomlimli Accra. Join our Miracle Dawn service every Wednesday, 5.30 a.m. to 7 a.m. and our Friday prayer meeting, dubbed Cry Out, from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. For more information, contact us on 0502-444-814. You can also visit our website at piwcacra.org to know more. And let's get interactive on all social media platforms at PIWC Accra. Thank you. Until next time, we pray that you would reach out by faith and receive everything that's yours through God's grace. You are blessed.